Hey, Thrivecast Nation, this is Clay Frost coming at you with another episode. We have Brandy Runyon. She's the CEO of Black Diamond Sports Management Firm. (laughs) Yes, perfect. Um, Brandy, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I'm pumped for this episode. Uh, So far, Brandy, like... I've loved what we've been talking about, about failure and everything, but let's hit it off with your definition of thriving. What does it look like? What is it? What does it mean? What does it mean to you? Hit us with it. Yeah. So at a personal level, I feel like probably thriving in my definition would be just when you're at a place um, in your life where you're, you're kind of free from some of the, the anxiety of life and you feel like you're kind of in a comfort zone. You kind of know what's going on. Um, I tell people a lot of time, you don't have to really have everything figured out, but if you're in a place where, where you feel comfortable and things are going pretty smoothly, you know, that's the best that you can ask for. I think a lot of people kind of put a definition like, oh, you know, I'm not really at this level unless I've got the mansion on the hill and, you know, the $30 million a year job. And, and I think a lot of people might miss uh, an opportunity to really enjoy um, their life if they're kind of chasing something big. So for me, I think it's just if you're comfortable in your own skin and you, you have inner peace and you're happy, um, you know, that's it. That's, that's the dream. The opposite now. What does thriving not look like? For some, for some people, they really like the opposites, right? Like stay away from this. What would that be for you in terms of thriving? Yes, I think, I think, oh man, that puts you right in the lows, doesn't it? Yeah. So, and I always think anxiety, you know, cause so many people, you know, we're, we're trying to put more of a, a focus um, as a society on mental health and things like that. And I think anxiety is a huge thing. I think we all, when you're not thriving, I think people are suffering from depression and anxiety and maybe financial issues, lack of organization, things like that, just in a place where um, mentally, physically, emotionally, um, you feel unsettled, um, you know, like, like you're just, you're not in a state of happiness. Um, I don't know <laughs> when things aren't going so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. I just... I'm going to try, we'll do, try to do this together, make those definitions a bit more succinct, uh, um, a little bit shorter so that we can put it like on an Instagram post or something, right? Gotcha. Um, what thriving then would be uh, fulfilled, peaceful comfort. I, I don't I like throwing it out there. Peace. Peace is a big one. Yeah. Uh, peace, confidence, um, Gosh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Were you just happy with yourself? Contentment. Contentment. Yes. That's Is it. that fair? That's the word. Okay. And then the opposite would be just uh, you're not, anxiety. you're uneasy. Yes. Uneasiness, anxiety, dysfunction, disorganization. Okay. I like that. That's super awesome. Chaos. Um, what was that? <laughs> Chaos. Okay. <laughs> I feel like that's actually a really good word. Um, Sometimes I love chaos and sometimes it definitely is a sign that things are not going well. Um, as, a, as a father of two young kids, chaos is always there, but thriving can sometimes be there. But if I'm an individual as a business owner in chaos, that's not a good sign. Um, let's, uh, let's kind of dive into, Brandy, who you are. You told me a really interesting well, part of the inter- interesting story. I'd love to hear the rest. That At 17, 
your parents both passed away within three months of each other, um, which I can't ever imagine what you went through in that, how you moved forward. Tell us all about it. Yeah, so when I was 17, um, I was a senior in high school and uh, my father passed away unexpected, unexpectedly of a heart attack. Um, and then just a few months later, um, my mother passed away with cancer, which she had been fighting for, for, you know, several years before that. So when I graduated high school, my parents weren't there and it was, it was very difficult. And I really didn't take a lot of time to process a lot of it. I went straight to college, um, went to Texas A&M University at Commerce and proceeded to just kind of struggle a whole lot, you know, it was just pretty systematic at that point. And I, I eventually, you know, I flunked out my freshman year. So um, I just kind of put college on hold for a while, got married um, and just kind of went, you know, started taking college courses at different universities and kind of patching my education together. Um, and I got, you know, an associate's degree and stuff like that and just kind of proceeded into life and just trying yeah. to create something. Wow. Now tell me, can you, are you still there? Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, tell me, do you have any siblings? Um, I have um, some half brothers, but we, we weren't raised together or anything. So we don't, okay. we don't. Uh, so, so it's pretty much. You were literally been... by yourself. Yeah. Did you go yeah. off to college with any friends? Yes, actually, one of my best friends from high school and I, we went to um, the university together. So freshman year, I at least had a familiar face around campus. Yeah. I can't imagine how tough and alone you felt. What, what did you do to move beyond those feelings? Like, how did you progress? Uh, I think I probably just internalized it all. Um, I'm pretty good at doing that, usually setting goals and kind of triaging um, what emotions are really necessary to do what needs to be done. And so I think I just kind of powered through a lot of that stuff um, yeah. and just tried to move forward. Dang, that's incredible. Um, when did you realize, I mean, I'm sure looking back, you had a few different realizations, but when did you realize like, oh, dang, I'm alone? Oh my goodness, every day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, I think, um, you know, I do have an aunt that I'm very, very close with, and I was very close to my grandmother. So I still had my grandmother, but, yeah. uh, she actually just passed away, um, about four oh, years yeah. ago. So, um, I think it probably wasn't until my grandmother passed away a few, few years ago that I really, really felt the weight of it. Um, yeah. by that point, you know, I had already had my own family and my kids and, and so, um, you know, there's days that it's, it's a little bit harder than others, but for the most part, I stay so focused on, you know, my responsibilities. Um, I don't have a whole lot of time to really dwell on it yeah. because I've got so much on, on my plate and things that I'm responsible for. And, um, so it, now, you know, would you like say that's a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's a good thing to be, yeah. cause I feel like mentally i'm in a great place um i'm a very strong individual I, you know i was self-made 
So I think having in, in the years when I was younger to kind of come to the terms with, you know, the situation is, isn't fair, but it's the situations. I mean, we can either cry about it forever and feel sorry for ourselves forever, or we can just kind of get to work and do other things and kind of move on from it. And I think that's what I did from an early age was just just say, you know what, it, it's not fair, but it is what it is. Um, and there's other things still that have to be done. And, and I think that that's what kind of catapulted me through it all. Um, and so I think it's a great thing uh, to have the mindset of, you know, there are other things that have to be done and um, you don't have to sit there and dwell on the things that you can't help. You have no control over it. Yeah, I love, I love that phrase that you said. I want to echo it again. It is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I feel like if a lot of people would take that attitude towards things that they can't control, uh, it would be very empowering moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, you failed, flunked out the entire first semester, just bad grades across the board. How did oh, you yeah. bounce back from that? I, I've been in a very similar experience. I, I had a really, really rough semester when I transferred um, out of my division one. I, I was wrestling at Utah Valley University, transferred up to the University of Utah. I was commuting. I was dating the, the, the girl who's now my wife. And I just tanked. I'd love to hear how you bounced back from the tank. Oh, my goodness. So my first semester kind of went okay. It was the second semester where... I really don't even remember. It's been so long ago what happened. Um, yeah. It's just, I think, you know what? I, I do think I know what happened. So at that time, just, it was kind of like what you were talking about, that feeling, you know, being alone and stuff. And I hadn't really matured to that point where I was like, oh, there's other things to do. Let's focus on that. Um, yeah. But I think I was spending a lot of time hanging out with friends and doing stuff other than going to class and studying and the things you're supposed to do in college. You know, I was trying to build relationships because I, I didn't have a family anymore, you know? So yeah. I was trying to um, cultivate relationships with the people around me instead of focusing on really basically what I was there to do. And that, that was more of an emotional thing, I think, than anything looking back. Um, but you know, I had to take it in, in chunks after that. So after I flunked out, I went, I got a job and started working in retail and, and whatever. Um, it took some years and I thought, well, let me just go and I'll start at a community college and I'll start picking up the pieces of you know, where I left off. And then just taking classes here and classes there and kind of started putting together like the little building blocks um, and I think my confidence increased, you know, the more that I did and the more that I did, um, I saw the more that, that I could do and saw value and what, you know, I was able to accomplish. So, and I think that was just a confidence builder for me as far as getting back in there and getting back in tune. So in my thirties, I made a decision cause I kind of had like a patchwork quilt education at that point. Point. I had taken yeah. courses here and courses there. And um, I had a mentor say, you know, have you thought about going back to college? And I thought, well, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, you know, I'm working and I've built, you know, a company and I'm doing all these things now on my own. And I was able to do that without the degree. And now I've got all these kids. 
And I, I was just really encouraged to go back to school. Yeah. And, um, you know, I thought about it and I prayed about it and I made a decision. I'm like, you know what? Um, I called up the university and, and it was actually the university I started at, Texas A&M Commerce, because yeah. it kind of hung over me like a rain cloud that, you know, I'd have to drive past that campus to go visit my aunt. And it was always like a big sign on the side of the road that said, failure here, you know. <laughs> and so I lived close enough to it that I called them up and said, hey, um, I attended there like a million years ago and I've got all this credit from all these other schools. And uh, could we put it together and see what it would take for me to finish my bachelor's? And that's what we did. And she was like, man, you're only like three classes away from a bachelor's. And I thought, oh my nice. gosh, like maybe this is attainable. So that's how I got back in. Um, I got back in, I finished it up. I got my degree. And then one of my mentors at that point said, hey, you know, you're an incredible student, got great leadership. Why don't you go to master's? And I thought, well, you know what? I was a first generation college student. Why not? Let's go ahead and well, set the bar. Yeah. And I went back, fell in love with contract law, um, into just fell into to sport management, really. Um, but I, I fell in love with it. And so I got my master's. And at that point um, is when I took my, my business and I changed. I just, we went a totally different direction out of entertainment PR and moved into sport management. Nice. Was that uh, on the business side of things, was that a change that a lot of your employees were on board with or were they kind of like, I don't know about this, Brandy. You might want to slow down. I had your, had your coworkers respond. Well, the interesting thing was we, I had hit kind of an identity crisis, I think um, a few years before that, before I went to get my master's, I was kind of like, I wasn't really enjoying the work that I was doing. And now that I had gone back to school and finished a degree, I was thinking, well, maybe I should do something different with my life entirely. So we scaled the whole company down and my VP, which has been with me for nearly 10 years was, you know, saying, oh, please don't shut everything down. Like I have clients that I would love to keep working with. And so while I went back to school, she maintained um, the clients that we had had. And um, when I came back, I said, hey, we're going to we're going to go a different direction. We're going to drop all the entertainment stuff and we're going to go into sports. And I've been really blessed because my VP is has tolerated me for so long <laughs> and I've asked so much of her. Um, and she didn't even flinch. She was like, oh, sports. All right. All right. We're going to start watching football games and yeah, we can do this. And she, she has been right on board. She's been my right hand girl all these years. And, you know, when I asked her to make a leap of faith and, and come on, you know, care about athletes and, and do this work, she didn't even blink. She was like, all right, you know, let's do it. And so, um, from there, we just rehired people qualified to work in sports. <laughs> so it actually worked out really, really well. That's awesome. It's always fun when things seem to come together. Sometimes it takes a little bit. Sometimes it happens quick, but that is, I'm, I live for that. I love that behind the scenes, how the whole patchwork, that's why I'm doing the whole podcast actually. But um, let's kind of transition. You said this entire time, you've made hints at it through school. Um, 
and to your work that you've had a large family, you've got kids. Um, if I don't, if I'm not mistaken, you have seven kids. Uh, you were a single mom for eight years on those seven kids. Tell us about those struggles and how you were able to make it work. Cause that sounds insane. It is insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's so great. Now I always wanted to be a mom, even like growing up, I played with dolls, like beyond the age that girls are supposed to get bored with that. Um, so yeah. having a family was something I was really always wanting to do. So um, the big family thing, while it, I realize it's not for everyone, it was totally for me. Um, I, I have um, a military background as well. So I am super like ADD, ADHD, um, super hyper organized. So it's, it's an okay type of personality to have for a big family. We're very organized and structured. And um, I love the chaos. Um, you know, having lost my parents at an early age and being on my, my own family was something that to me was important um, because I wanted to have a family. I wanted to have traditions. I didn't want any of my kids to end up in the situation that I was in where I was totally alone and didn't, didn't have um, people to grow up with and, and just have a family with. So to me, it, it's exciting. I love being a mom. It's still, you know, my crowning jewel. Um, My kids, um, my goodness, I've got five of my own and then I have two adult children that um, I've taken in. And so they're here with us too. And so everyone, you know, they range from, from almost eight year old, eight to 22. And it's, nice. it's crazy. Two of them are in college and, but they're still here at home and it's fine. Um, it's just so much fun and I love it. And it, it is chaotic. Um, but it's, it's so wonderful. It really is. Yeah, it's kind of a, like like I was mentioning at the beginning, kind of like a good chaos. Like, yeah, it's a sign of a good thing, even if things are chaotic. I don't know. There is so much laughter and so much love and joy. And my kids are just wonderful human beings. They're kind and considerate and sweet. And um, they really, um, I guess, filled this gap you know, that, you know, made up for things that I didn't have before they came along. So Yeah, that's, uh, you know, Brandy, we're pretty much kindred spirits in that I can't, I can't remember a, a time in my life when I didn't want to be a dad. Uh, I didn't play with dolls too much. I should probably never because I had five older, four older brothers. But um, well, I only had three older brothers. I was the fourth. I don't know why that was so hard. <laughs> um, but uh yeah, family is, means everything to me. I'm glad that you've had a, had a good one with great kids that are supporting you. Um, but what was it like running your business? And like, I imagine part of it's working from home or, I mean, how did you manage? Um, I had to just be super organized. Um, it helped that, you know, my kids were in public school, so I had time to you know, work on things when they were gone and then just had to learn to make sure that, you know, I wrap things up. Um, work home life balance is a huge important mm-hmm. thing to me. It's something that um, the pendulum kind of swings. Like sometimes I do it a little bit better than other times. 
So yeah. there are times when, when the pendulum swings and I'm like, oh man, I've got to slow down or I really have to set boundaries with myself really because I am the boss. So it's not like anyone's behind me, you know, riding me to, to do things. It's, it's me. So I have to set boundaries with myself and say, look, you know, we're, we're going to turn the computer off. We're going to, we're going to leave the office. We're going to turn the phone off um, and not look at it again until Monday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you, you mentioned as well, right now you are still in school yes. back for a doctorate degree. Yes. Yeah, so I started um, my doctorate and the primary reason that I did that is, you know, the, the whole um, situation with um, my company and everything. It's not, it's not just a job to me. It's, um, I think it's a, it's like a life purpose. You know, I want to change sports industry. I'm very passionate about that. And it seemed like, um, the only way that I could see change coming about in the industry is if I took initiative and tried to create it. So I figured, um, you know, I do public speaking. Um, I write books. I'm right in the middle, um, about halfway through writing a book on, the method that I created here with my company um, to manage athletes. So I figured Whoa. it would just help being a woman in a male dominated industry to, to, to go get some, some letters behind my name to kind of show people, you know, I'm not just talking about things. I actually know a thing or two. Um, it would just yeah. add a little bit more weight behind, behind my name as I'm trying to create sustainable change in the industry for the athletes who represent I, I love that. I love the, I, like, I think I read a quote just recently that I feel really describes how I feel about innovation. And I think it goes something, I'm probably going to butcher it, but the idea is that creativity is intelligence having fun. And, and I love that because it's always that kind of the next level, keep on pushing, keep on moving, keep on moving forward. Um, do you mind telling us a little bit behind of the scenes, like what those changes you're trying to make into the industry? Absolutely. So okay. my whole, my whole, of course I want to talk about that. Um, my whole dissertation, um, I've decided it's going to be on um, like value added representation of pro athletes. So of course I focus more on football. We actually represent athletes in every sport. But um, football is kind of my baby. So um, it, it's more so about the, how mismanagement is making or breaking professional athletes. So we see um, a lot of athletes kind of fall by the wayside. And a lot of guys will tell you, you know, they haven't talked to their agents or so their agents won't call them back or they're missing opportunities and too much time's going by. And that's something that has to stop in our industry. So one of the things that you know, I've done so far, obviously, is to create a whole new method. And it's, you know, it, it's really my take on how things should be done. And we've been very successful with the prototype, um, more or less, if you want to look at it that way, um, with the athletes that we've represented over the last few years, it's worked for us, it's worked for them. And it's something um, that we hope will catch fire in the industry, as we keep working and building building our name um, and getting it out there. And I think, you know, they say that, uh, what is it? Uh, imitation is, is the highest form of, of flattery. Um, I, I hope that, that agents and other athlete management firms will steal the method. I, I certainly 
hope that they will, because it's only going to benefit the athletes. So some of those changes has to do with, you know, how we relate to athletes, how we deal with them on a personal level that we are working on the relationships and that the, the relationships with these athletes take precedence over, over money and financial gain. Um, you know, I'm constantly telling athletes all the time, you know, you're not cattle. You had to stop letting people treat you like that. You know, you're not just, you know, a piece of meat to be sold off to the highest bidder. And then if they can't sell you off, you just drop back to the junkyard and no one bothers with you anymore. And that's something that has to change. That's a very grim view. Uh, that that it, really makes that it, real. Exactly. That's what happens. Um, and, and when athletes call and they're like, man, I'm looking for new representation. You know, I haven't heard from, you know, I've had this agent, but I haven't heard from him in over a year. He was real excited, you know, at the beginning when I first came out of college and then I haven't heard from him. Well, it's probably because he, he threw your profile around and tried to get a look for you. And when he didn't get any bites, you fall to the bottom of the pile and he's got to yeah. move on to the next person. Um, and, and that's, that's awful because an athlete, depending on what position they play and depending on um, the shelf life of their career, you have an ability to work with an athlete for 10 to 20 to 30 years. Um, take for instance, um, one of our clients is Ryan Broyles. Um, he came out of OU. Um, he played for the Detroit Lions. He's retired now. Um, you know, you can work with a guy in post-career and that's what we do with Ryan is we manage his speaking career now, now that he doesn't play football. Whereas awesome. on the other side of the spectrum, I've got guys that, you know, are declaring for the draft now that are coming out of college. So the relationship is, is really the key component, I think, that has to be fixed. Um, but yeah, that's the mentality. And it's as sad as it sounds, that's exactly what's going on. Uh, on more breaking news, or I guess more, I don't, when this episode goes out, I only hope that it's about the same timeline, but the name, image, and likeness is going to be a humongous game changer for you and where you're, I imagine. Yes, it is. Is that something you're very pumped about? We're very excited about it because yeah, you know, I feel so like cool. these young kids, man, they, they deserve it. And they have an opportunity to, to get something. I mean, they're the product, right? It doesn't make sense that they don't get to benefit off themselves. You know, At least themselves, matter. guys. Come yeah. on. So no, we're, I, we're really excited. And we're one of the firms that can absolutely... Um, represent players um, that are going to be in college and be trying to get those sponsorships and endorsements. We're already prepared. We're NCAA, NAIA compliant. We're ready to rock and roll. We've been doing product placement and endorsements for 13 years. So this is a good place to be as this yeah. rolls out. That's something that's so exciting. I remember when I, now I was not any, by any means a humongous recruit or anything along those lines. But as I was entering into a wrestling program, it was their first year division one. I remember reading and signing all these NCAA paperworks thinking, even I know this is a scam. What the heck? Like, I don't anticipate making any money as a wrestler. Cause that, there's not just, it's just a different sport than football or basketball or even baseball. But like, man, this is not a, we're getting the raw end of a deal. I remember thinking that I was 19 years old and I was like 18 years old. And I thought, this is not, this is not right. I don't know what's going on, but I guess I'll sign here. Um, but yeah, that's an exciting change. Very exciting change in my I'm, mind. I'm super happy and, and I'm, I'm really glad that um, these decisions are being made. It's going to benefit these kids that are coming out for sure.
Yeah. Uh, let's, uh, let's get to the last question. This has been, it's got, it's surprising how fast this, uh, this podcast has gone, Brandy, but last question that I always ask is I kind of put you on the spot. You have to choose your own audience to talk to. Um, you know, I'll give a few examples. Previous guests, one has chosen the entire world. Another one chose their son. And so you'd like kind of one to 7 billion people. You can pick anywhere in between and then give them your message on deliberately designing a life where they can thrive in any situation. What does it take? What does it look like? Ready, go. All right. I guess I'd have to talk to everyone. Um, I think. All 7 billion. Everybody. everybody. I love it. Bold. I, I think that no matter who you are, whether you're, you know, gosh, if you're all alone or if you're, you know, a top executive somewhere, I think one of the things that's missing in today's society is our ability to kind of look inward and really start understanding who we are. Um, a lot of people chase the whole, why are we here concept um, and never stop to ask themselves, you know, why am I here? Um, what am I supposed to be getting out of this experience that I'm having here? And I think people need to really start inward and finding out what what makes them happy we have so many opportunities i mean here in america we're blessed i can't speak for anyone living anywhere else but but here we have opportunities um to do almost anything that we want to do if we want to put in the work to to achieve it and so you know i tell my own children all the time like i don't care what you do um, as long as you absolutely love what you do and you feel that it, it brings purpose to your life and that it plays the center stage role of why you're here so that at the end of the day, you don't have to look back and, you know, at a hundred years old and have regrets about your life or um, have fear that the things that you did and the type of person you were was in vain or had no purpose. So I think it's just really important for people to really stop chasing, you know, their nine to five jobs that they hate, stop living in relationships that they, they hate. We waste so much of our lives because we won't just have that conversation with ourselves about what we really want, what we can achieve and what we deserve. And I think that that's something that I have to do um, at some point in my life is kind of say, you know, I deserve to be happy. Um, and to be successful if that's what I want to be. Um, and then I found a way to chase that. And you have to just drown out all the other noise and focus on achieving these things for yourself. Um, we have to live in our, in our own purpose without consideration to how the rest of the world feels about it um, or if it's okay. Or, um, you know, I, I get a lot of flack sometimes because, you know, I'm a woman in this industry. And sometimes it doesn't make a lot of sense to people, but I am changing lives. And I believe that I'm placed in this position to do exactly what I'm doing. Um, and so that's the advice that I would give. Purpose and clarity. Yes. Go find it. <laughs> I don't know if that's even helpful, but I yeah, feel like I... Well, yeah. What is it? What is it to you? It's different for everybody. So, yeah. I, I love that Brandy. Thrivecast Nation, this is Brandy Runyon. Thanks so much again for being on the show. Thank you. We'll see you all in the next episode.